that this morning. It is sweeter as the days go by. I'm going to ask you to remain standing this morning for scripture and prayer as Brother Randy Erchberger makes his way this morning. Grab the mic. Good morning. It's a blessed day of the Lord. Nice and cool. I don't like it hot. I like it cool. Carol says, let's move to Maine. I said, no, I don't like it that cold. No. I still watching a quarter neck one time. It was uh, 30 degrees and raining and dropping in temperature. I don't ever want to be that cold again. It's a great day to be in the Lord today. You love him? What are we supposed to be doing on earth? Praising him. So, today, Psalm 150, the last psalm in the Psalms, praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the psaltery and harp, praise him with the timbrel and dance, praise him with the stringed instruments and organs, praise him upon the loud cymbals, praise him upon the high sounding cymbals, that everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. The last words are, praise ye the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name, Lord, for this opportunity to come before you this morning. Lord, you've been so good to us. You've blessed us. You've lifted us up. You've healed us. You've touched us. Lord, as we come before you this morning, I pray that you will continue to bless us and help us to do as you would have us to do. Lord, I pray that you will continue to be with our country. Heal our land, Lord, we pray. Lord, I pray for those that are in a nursing home, for those that are sick and can't be here today, for those that are having to work and can't be here today. I pray that you will lift them up and keep them. Lord, I saw Brother Curtis Driggers this morning, Jr., in his army out there in Fort Lee, Virginia, and I pray that you will touch him, be with him, Lord, lift him up and strengthen him. Lord, Brother Andrew Bauman, who is also in, up in Fort Jackson, I pray you will be with him and touch him. For all the servicemen and women that are in uniform, Lord, we pray that you will be with them and keep them. Help us, Lord, to continue to keep this country free and to do as you would have us to do. Pray that you will touch our minister this morning. He would deliver the words that you would have him to say to our hearts. Lord, that we can further your kingdom. We ask all of this in Jesus' holy, precious name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Let's remain standing. We're going to sing another old hymn of the church this morning. Simple song just says, I'm getting ready to leave this world. So let's worship the Lord this morning. Treasures in that home of love. We're we'll trusting for trusting in the Savior's love. Doing what I can for Him and holy done. I'm getting ready to leave this world. Getting ready to leave this world. Getting ready for the gates of the world. 
today we ask God that you would help us to be able to Lord worship you God today we come before your presence today today Lord we stand here and we say that you are so high and exalted you're the name above every name and at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and Lord as the song gets ready to say I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon the cross but Lord we've come this morning in this place I know there are many that are out today sick there are many still traveling today, coming from different places. Some have to work today. But God, we are here today to worship you and to magnify and to glorify and to uplift the name of Jesus. God, you said just if two or three would agree and together is touching anyone that you are in the midst. So God, there may not be 60 today. God, there might only be 40 today. But God, there's more than two or three. So we know you are in this house today. And we worship you and we praise and we glorify your name. And Lord, we just ask that your presence would inhabit the praise of your people as we sing today. You're the light of the world. You stepped out into darkness. Open my eyes and Oh, you're the beauty that makes beauty that makes his For the Lord. So here I am to worship. Here I am. You're the king. 
can you attest to that today? And I fell off times before. Oh, can you say surely? Surely. I'll say yes, Lord, and I'll say yes to your will, Lord. I'll say yes Oh uh-huh. 
that today, you'll say yes to whatever the Lord asks today. We'll say yes to the Lord. Father, we thank you for the Spirit of God we feel in this place. Father, we do say yes to your will and to your way. Father, I pray today as we segue into breaking the bread of life that every song that has been sung would have brought glory and honor to you today. Father, I pray today that you would speak to the hearts and lives of the believers in this building. Let us hear what thus saith the word of the Lord today. We will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And the people of God together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Lord. To the worship team and those that helped today, thank you so much. We were in a little bit of a scramble mode today. Brother Larry got called into work, and so we had to switch some parts around a little bit, and everybody got to try a new instrument for a day. And I think for a makeshift band, they did pretty good flipping around and making it work. And uh, can we just appreciate them all being willing to work together today. We thank the Lord for that. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. While you're turning there, let me just tell you, uh, there's a lot of people out today. Uh, Brother and Sister Frierson are not here. Brother Stan had a procedure done on his foot uh, due to some health issues with a, a toe on his foot. He has to be off of that foot for three or four days, so that procedure was done late in the week, so he's not able to be walking or be on that foot for a while, so uh, he is not here today. Uh, Sister Brenda Burbage is still out with her husband, Ricky, who is still struggling with uh, mobility and getting around, and she can't leave him. Uh, Brother Brandon is still working in Hawaii. Brother Marion obviously had to slip out for work. Brother and Sister Imrine were at some family reunion. Also, Sister Patricia Lambert was at a family reunion. Brother Larry Wyatt got called to Charlotte to go to work today. Uh, Brother Corey Burbage and them are working today. Uh, Jamie and Christina Coker are trying to finish probate on her father's house and estate. Caden is traveling back from Texas from being with his grandmother who's not doing well. Uh, I, I could keep reading lists, but uh, there's a lot of folks that are out. For various and sundry reasons. But we're here. And uh, just because they aren't doesn't mean God isn't either. It just means that where two or three, we sang it earlier, where two or three are together, he's in the middle. And there's more than two of us here today. So I firmly believe with all my heart God is in our midst today. As you are still finding your place, don't forget parents, sign your kids out at Children's Church in the back today. Those watching online, don't forget, you can always go to SanteeCircleCOG.org to find out all information going on. You can always subscribe to our Google and Apple podcast. You can also follow us on the Our Church app and just search Santee Circle COG. Always, there's multiple ways to give unto the Lord uh, as well. If you are in-house, we collect them in the wooden boxes in the front and the rear of the sanctuary as well. Don't forget, we're in the middle of a sermon series called Scare Tactics, and we're getting ready to jump into in just a second. Please don't forget Fall Family Fest. There are sign-up sheets in the back to donate things. You can give money. You can bring candy. You can bring, there's a whole list of things we need out there, and it's, there's a sign-up sheet that has all the stuff. There's also a sign-up sheet for those willing to volunteer to help in any capacity. We need you to sign that up if you're willing to help us at all. It's October the 30th. That's a Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. If you are able to help, 
in any capacity. Next Sunday, we just need to meet with you just briefly after church just to tell you kind of how the event's going to work that Saturday. We don't want you to come here and be like, oh, my gosh, what do we do? We want you to be prepared before you get here. So next Sunday, uh, we want to just meet with you for a second. Also, next Sunday morning, for about five minutes after church, I am going to call the church into a small business meeting. It's not a long one. All I'm doing is I want to give you the 2020-2021 financial report reading of the church. Every year around September and October, our church year runs from September to August 31st of each year. That's the Church of God calendar year. And I always like to present the body with what the last year, how God is blessed and how we're doing financially, are we in the red, are we in the black, and how all the funds have been dispersed. I like transparency. I like you to be trust, uh, I like trustworthiness and loyalty. I want you to trust me, so I'm transparent with you. Now, that report will be a little bit different uh, because of time-wise and just the way we do it. Everyone will see the general reading of how much we spent for the sound and how much we spent for the women, how much we spent for general funds or miscellaneous. But if you want to know a line item, Line by line by line by line. I want to see 40 pages of documents. You can call me and we can sit down, but I'm not printing 250 different pages for us to have to read together to go, okay, on September 3rd, this was spent. On September 6th, this was spent. On September 12th, it bores, it bores me to read that. I sure hope it would bore you to do the same. So we do have it itemized. We know where every penny has been spent. But we're going to give you a general sound, bam. Children, bam. Youth, bam, and just blocked items. If you have any questions or you say, hey, why did we spend this much? We'll try to answer that to the best of our ability. The council have already have got their reports. I have my report as well. And one of the council members, along with myself, will present that report to you. And we'll read it. If you say, well, Pastor, I want to know why it took $5,000 to do such and such in the children's department. Well, we'll sit down and go line by line with you. But we don't want to bore you because some of you might go, I don't care as long as we're not broke. Amen. Most people are like, we don't care as long as we're not broke. Can I just, can you, is it okay if I let you in on a little secret? We were in the black. We weren't in the red. Let me just say it that way. We were in the black. After all we spent last year doing children's funds and sound funds and additions to renovations in the building, we still were in the black when it was all said and done. So God is good to us, church. He's good to us. So uh, we're going to read that next week and let you know. How well God has blessed us. But when you come next week, don't sweat it. I'm not coming to tell you, oh gosh, give more tithes and offerings. We're not going to be able to pay the water bill. Uh, if you want to give more, we will take that gladly. But it's not because we're broke. God's good. We've even paid the tax bill this week of $981 and still are in the black considering that. So we're still doing well. But if the Lord impresses you to give a half a million dollars, I will gladly accept that. We've got some other projects we're working on, so let the Lord let the Lord speak to your heart. Uh, I had one guy one time sold a piece of property. He said, Pastor, I don't know. I want to tithe off my property. I said, well, get the highest amount of money you can get for that piece of property. Don't let you let that realtor talk you down. You sell it for top dollar. And uh, he did. And God blessed the church where we were at at the time. But uh, So anyway, but God is good to us today. We're in a series called Scared Tactics. Can I tell you again, like I told you last week, the devil would love nothing more than to scare the body of Christ. That's all he's after. Now, I'm not talking about just, you know, masks and vaccines. I'm talking about there are people walking around right now 
whether it's jobs, whether it's the, the, the economy, whether it is the government, or whether it is the church. There's a lot of people walking around in fear when God called them to be people of faith. There's a whole lot more people being afraid than having faith in this world today. The Bible tells us, I quoted it last week, but I'll just quote it to you again. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. That means God wants us to think right, not just live right. He wants us to think right too. And sometimes you got to change. One pastor said it this way. Sometimes you just got to change your stinking thinking. That's the best way he described it. And you know what? Sometimes it's just that simple. Sometimes it's a mindset. Sometimes you don't feel like praising the Lord. But sometimes you just got to get up out of the bed and say, I don't feel like praising the Lord, but I'm going to praise the Lord anyhow because he woke me up this morning. He started me on my way. He got me out of the bed. I may not be moving as fast as I'd like to, but I'm at least still moving. And anything other than in six feet under the ground is still a good day because I'm still moving to the glory of God. So every day is still good that God gives me. You say, well, Pastor, I... I'm struggling today. I, my sinuses are flaring up. My allergies are flaring up. Brother uh, David and Sister Amber Fultz are not here because of some uh, sinus allergies and things going on. They may not be feeling the best, but I texted her last night and I said, Listen, I know you said you can't be at church, but let me tell you something. If you're still alive, God's still good. So you don't have to, we'll see you when you feel better, but you better thank God you're still here. Because I'm telling you, there are some people, they're on life support, they're on ventilators, or they're planning home-going services. But even if it was slow getting out of the bed, and even if it took a little extra minute to put the shoes on this morning, the fact that you were able to get in a car and have the functioning ability to get to church tells me God's still good to us, church. God's still good. God is still good. Second Samuel chapter 2. Excuse me, 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning reading in verse 20. If you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, just a couple verses. I read them last week, but I want to pick up where I left off last week with this sermon thought. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kebzeel, who had done many acts, slew two lion-like men of Moab, and he went down and also slew the lion in the midst of a pit in the time of the snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and an Egyptian with a spear in his hand. But he went down to him and took his staff, the man's own staff, and he plucked the spear out of the hand of the Egyptian, and he killed him with his own spear. Now these are the things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, had done among, and, and he had a name among the mighty men. But he was honorable. He was honorable than more than the other 30 mighty men of David. He was fourth in line, if you will. Top five. But he did obtain not the level of the first three. And David sent him over his guard. He put him over all the army. He let him be the fourth in command. He was over an uh, uh, entire uh, battalion of forces. I posed this question last week, and I want to finish that question today. Are we fear finders or are we faith fighters? Are we fear finders? Anybody can find fear. You can be scared of fear, anything. People are scared of snakes. People are scared of spiders. Some people are afraid of their own shadow. I've seen people jump because a shadow on a wall and it was their own. Anybody can find fear. But it's something to be said if God calls you a man or woman of faith. In fact, the Bible tells us God is looking for people of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I don't see it. I don't know when it's coming. And it's the evidence of things not seen. 
I trust even when I can't see the answer. I still trust the Lord. Let us pray together. Father, I pray this morning that you would help me this morning to preach your unadulterated word of God to the people of God. Help me to speak what thus saith the word of the Lord. I need you to take a coal from the altar of heaven and anoint these lips of clay and let me speak only what your servant today needs to speak to the body of Christ. Father, I pray you would open our eyes, hearts, and ears, not to only be hearers only, but doers thereof of this word. I will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, I ask and pray these things. And the people of God together said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Are you a fear finder, or are you a faith fighter? I read to you last week the definition of fear, a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger or evil, or the perce- even if it's the threat is real, it can also mean you have a fear or an impending danger and arousal of emotion for something that's even imagined. It may not even be real. It's a figment of your imagination. It's kind of like children who are afraid of the monsters in the dark. I mean... There's no monsters in the closet. doesn't matter how many times you turn the light on. It doesn't how many times you walk to the closet, you open the door, and you tell them, you shut the door, you go back to bed, and you hear them, but there's a monster under my bed. They've already looked all over the whole room. They're not there, but it's the imagination of this child. Even though it's not real, in the moment it feels real to them. The devil is good at charades. The devil is good at masking things to appear more realistic than they really are. In fact, I don't want to stand here this morning and tell you the devil is not someone to to, uh, reckon with or tell you that you don't have any reason to respect him. No, the devil is very conniving and deceiving, and he is very sneaky at what he does. But I can also tell you that his bark is a whole lot bigger than his bite. It doesn't mean the devil won't attack, but the Bible tells me greater is he that lives inside of me than he that's in the world. So what that tells me, if God be for me, then who can be against me? So even if the devil comes against me, and even if the devil launches his attack, it may not look good. Even the one songwriter says it this, even when it looks like I'm surrounded, talking about the enemy, in actuality, I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. The reality of it is, the devil can have you encircled, as in the story in the Bible where the People of God, they saw all the armies around them. And the prophet of God spoke to his servant and he said, What do you see? He says, I see all the enemy encamped around us. And he said, Lord, I pray that you would open his eyes. And the Bible said the servant's eyes were open and there was a host of heaven's armies that was camped around the enemy. I can tell you this morning, you may not see it, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood and against principalities, but against the rulers and spiritual high forces and wickedness in heavenly places. I come by to remind some somebody this morning the devil may look like he's got your children the devil may look like he has your family the devil may look like he's got your job the devil may look like he's got your finances but even when you can't see it there's a host of heaven's armies that's walking all around your situation and the devil can bark but God can stop the bite of the enemy I told you that fear is crippling I told you Benaiah was one of David's royal men. He was over the third infantry or the third army commander. He had 24,000 men under his rank. He has served not only David, but he also helped during the rebellion. He also helped make sure that Solomon had a peaceful transition of power from 
David on his deathbed to Solomon being anointed and made king. He was a loyal man. He was a faithful man. I told you that his name literally means the Lord who builds. I said to you last week that the old scripture says they that labor, they labor in vain but unless the Lord builds the house it is pointless. I come by to tell us at Santee Circle Church of God I know last Sunday might have been mid 50s and the Sunday before that might have been high 50s and the Sunday before that might have been in the 60s and some of those folks aren't here today but I'm telling you whether we ever build a massive structure in the front property or not, I come by to remind this body and those watching online if you're from another church I hope this is the same thing your pastor would say to your church but anybody that calls this home I'm telling you that we labor in vain but as for me behind this sacred lectern my prayer is unless the Lord builds this house everything we've been doing is in vain but God I want you to anoint every musician I want them not to play because they're talented I want them to play because they're anointed by God himself I want every singer to stand behind this sacred lectern and not sing because they're gifted I want them to sing because they have an abundance of joy in their heart and they want to praise the Lord with their voices. I want every speaker that stands behind this sacred lectern to preach the word, thus saith the word of the almighty God. Why? Because I believe that we are living in a day and an hour where people need to hear the truth. They are God that we already are living in a day where men are turning away with itching ears and fables and not adhering to sound doctrine. That's what's wrong with the world now. They want us to condone their sin. They want us to tell them they're right. They already are listening to uh, are not listening to sound doctrine and with itching ears turning away. But I believe there's still a remnant out in this world that wants the truth of God's word. They want to stand in church. They want to sing in church. They want to pray in church. They want to worship in church because God's still in control. I believe with all my heart that there are people, they may never say it, but I believe there are people that are out in this world they're looking for the truth. They can't find it. The government doesn't have it. They're grasping at straws. The economy doesn't have it. They're grasping at straws. But they're looking for something to hold on to. In fact, Barna Statistics did a recent survey and statistical analysis of millennials, people that were born in the 2000 range, in the late 90s and 2000 range. And they found out that some of those people, when they surveyed them, they went to what I call progressive churches. And if that's where they go and that's where they're being fed, I'm not going to bash any church because I don't want anybody to bash our church. So I'm never going to do that. But these people would go, they would ask them where they went to church. And they say, well, I go to a more uh, progressive church, a more laid back, easy going, coffee, donut, Danish in the sanctuary, lights out, folks, fog machines, all that stuff. If that works for them, great. But I would caution you before I tell you the rest of this story. And if you hear me online this morning, please don't think I'm bashing your church if that's what you do. But I'm telling you there's something to be said about the anointing, not the atmosphere. The only atmosphere that needs to change is when the Holy Ghost walks in the room. That's how the atmosphere needs to change. If you sit in the dark to worship the Lord, then praise the Lord. But I didn't go to church to hear a concert. If I want to do a concert, I'll go November 7th and hear David Crowder down in Charleston. That'll pay to go do that but I don't come to church for a concert I don't come to church to hear some motivational speak from some fortune 500 company president to tell me how I can be a multi-millionaire I came because I need to talk to a higher power I need to talk to somebody who owns the cattle on a thousand hills I need to talk to somebody who can heal cancer I need to talk to somebody that inhabits the praises of his people I didn't come by to hear them sing and I didn't come by to hear him talk but I came by to hear from God in church they asked these millennials, 
they said, tell me about your church. And, you know, a lot of them were very um, complimentary. Then they asked them about how often scripture and prayer and things like that was read in the sanctuary. But the analysis, when the to make a long story short, when the analysis was completed, they found out that these millennials would talk about the style of church that their grandparents went to. A more traditional, and I'm not talking about just suits and ties and sanctuaries with Steve. I'm talking about just a more hymns in the church, and prayer lines, and, and people reading the scripture audibly, a more traditional. I'm not saying you can't sing newer songs I'm talking about, but they, they had more of a churchy feel to it. It wasn't a production site. It was a church house, a house of worship, a house of prayer. And they talked about how they missed the power. Their church, they say, well, and when I remember growing up as a kid and I'd go to church with my grandmother, there was something different in the atmosphere. There was something different in the service. There was something just special in the moment. Well, let me just go ahead and bust the barn of statistics and all those millennials, they can't get mad at me too much because I'm close enough to their age that they really can't get mad. I'm only 33, so they can't say, oh, you're so old and outdated and antiquated and blah, 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 blah. I am not 75 having to make sure that I have super glue to hold my teeth in to eat lunch. I'm still, still got all my teeth in still in place. Now, I do have a retainer to help that, but some of those are in place still. Praise the Lord. But I come by to tell somebody this morning that I know exactly why it's different when they go to their church because their churches have mastered the art of production. Their churches have mastered the art of a program. Their churches have mastered the art of eliciting emotional responses, but they don't have the bona fide anointing power presence of the Holy Ghost of God moving in the midst. I'm telling you why churches felt different. Because God was in the house back then. But there's too many people walking in fear. People of God, children of God, people of faith that say, oh, I go to church. Oh, I go to, I'm a Christian. And they're walking in this world in fear. But God did not call us to be fearful. He called us to be men and women of faith, of power and of love and sound mind. I'm reminded I was on the phone with someone this morning who called to say they wouldn't be at church. And they said, well, Pastor, I'll be watching online. And maybe they are. And my friend, it's, it's called this morning. If you're watching online, welcome to church. I'm not going to throw you under the bus and say who you are, but uh, know that I, I'm your part of my sermon today in spirit. They say, well, Pastor, what's the message about today? Now, knowing their situation, I knew they couldn't come for some various reasons. They, were, they had some things that literally they just could not come. They wanted to, but they could not. I wanted to almost be like, well, you'll just have to come to church and find out. But I didn't. I didn't because, you know, I knew their, their providentially hindering reasons. And I began to talk to them and share with them what I was preaching about. And I was telling them about people being a people of fear versus people of faith. And I was talking to them. I said, yeah, we're going to be talking about how the enemy is using the scare tactics and trying to get the body of Christ to be fearful and afraid, disfellowship, disassociate, don't come together. Don't, you know, the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as in the manner of son, but with an exhortation come and join together and worship again. And some people, they don't do that anymore. They're afraid. They say they're people of faith, but they're not exhibiting lives of faith. I've often said, you can say anything you want to, but your words, your actions should always match the words that proceed out of your mouth. People say, oh, I, I'm, a, I'm a man or woman of faith, but they live like they're a man or woman of fear. Then that, there's an there's a issue here that your, your actions are speaking louder than the words you are protruding, letting protrude out of your mouth. So I was talking to this individual. We were talking about that, and I said, the devil wants nothing more to create a crippling effect on the body of Christ. 
shut us down. I do believe that there was a time that, and I still believe COVID is serious. I still believe that everyone has the right to be, choose their decisions on how to best take care of their health. That's their prerogative. But I also believe that society, political agendas, and various movements have used that to their advantage like a political football to instill more fear than necessary to create a pandemic of emotions, not just a global pandemic of sickness. I'm talking about a pandemic of fear around the world. I often said to someone the other day, now you don't have to agree, this is my personal, I'm not preaching the King, uh, KJV, I'm in the JKV version now of the Bible. You won't find this in the Bible, this is just me. I do believe, with all my heart, that if over the last year, it wasn't comply or die type mentality. More people probably would have been more receptive to receiving whatever vaccines that they needed. But anytime you go back and look at history, socialism, go back and look at Nazism, go back and look at Marxism, anytime you tell the people you do it or else, they revolt. Every time in history you go back and look. I'm not, I'm not telling you, you can go read history. I'm not lying to you. Every time in modern history, in, in all of the historical, even all the way back in the Bible, any time you said this or whatever, when God told the children of Israel to do this, what they do? Revolted. It's a natural born instinct because we're people of, uh, of sinful nature that when we are told don't do it or else, or do it or else, we revolt. You tell a kid don't touch it, what are they going to do? Why? They're revolting. Because you said don't do it. Or you said you better do this or else. They don't do that because they want to see what the or else is. I'm here to tell you that we are allowing. I told him this morning, this individual this morning. You hear this pastor carefully. There are more people afraid of what man can do to them than what God would do to them. That's a problem. More people are afraid about their job. And you say, Pastor, I can't believe you're so callous. No, no, listen to what I'm about to say. I ain't talking about that I'm not going to pray that God opens you up another door. Or lose. I had a friend of mine that lost her job because of this mess. Ended up God giving her a better job, and she's making more money now than she did at the other job she worked for 30 years. So God can work it out if he needs to. But I'm here to tell somebody today that I believe that there is a spirit of fear in this world right now. And I believe... That the enemy has allowed the church to buy into this strategy of fear rather than fight and combat this spirit of fear. We have allowed it to infiltrate our churches, infiltrate our kids, infiltrate our homes. We've allowed it to affect us as the body of Christ. And what I've also come to the stark realization of is the fact that more people are afraid of what's going to happen in Washington, what's going to happen on their job. They're more afraid of what man can do to them than what God could do to them. But my Bible says, don't be afraid of the one that can kill the body. But you better have a holy reverence, awe, and fear of the one that not only could kill the body, but can likewise kill the soul. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to tell you that I want you to lose your job and die on some holy hill. I'm not trying to tell you that I'm not concerned for your well-being. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you that I'm going to stand with God and whatever my convictions are with God, if God be for me, who can be against me? If the world turn their back on me, just give me Jesus, the world behind me, the cross before me. I choose Jesus. And I'm here to tell somebody this morning, I'm not afraid of what they can do to me. I'm only afraid of what God can do to me. I'm reminded of what Joshua said. Joshua said, today 
Choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, there's no choice. We're serving the Lord. There's too many people trying to be friends with their kids, friends with their grandkids. Friends, you can't, the Bible says to be friends with the, with the enemy is to be at enmity with God. That means I cannot live like the world, shack up with the world, dress like the world, live like the world, and expect God to want me to be his bride. God's not looking for a prostitute in church. He's looking for a bride without spot and blemish. He's wanting a good, holy, reverent church. So the first thing today I want you to understand is fear will frustrate you. But faith will illuminate the pathway you need to take. Benaiah was fighting a lion, the Bible said, on a pit on a snowy day. Interesting description of this. Fighting a lion. It's hard enough to fight a lion in the sunshine. It's a lot more difficult to fight a lion when you have no traction of foot. Snow is slippery. It is slick. That lion's got big old paws that can get traction and grip with the pads under it. And Benaiah is already, it's bad enough fighting a lion. It's even more difficult when the deck is stacked against you on top of having to fight a lion. You know, I've heard scientists say, hey, if you ever get stuck in a safari or somewhere, now how you would decide to get stuck out there by yourself, I don't know. But if you ever get stuck and you're one-on-one with a lion... Which, again, that's your, I don't know how you would want to do that or why you would want to do that. But there's a couple things they tell you to do. They say one of the things you're supposed to do is uh, appear to be bigger than the lion. Try to make yourself bigger than you really are. Well, I have tried that approach many times. I've done my arms. I've done my legs. I've tried to do it in a mirror. I still don't look intimidating. It still doesn't work for me. I'm sure the lion's going to probably just sit down and look at me and say, when you're done playing a game of charades, I'm still going to eat you. So you, you go ahead and finish. This is like DoorDash. I get to chase my meal around. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is Meals on Wheels. This is going to be exciting for me. I'm not that. It says scream. Well, I feel like that I'm a pretty uh, masculine person in terms of I play sports and I, all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to say if I see a lion, I'm going to scream like a girl. I'm staying where I'm doing right now. I mean, there ain't no manly... I'm not going to be out there going, Rah! I'm going to be like, Rah! I'm going to be scared. Okay? I don't know if lions are scared of girls, but that's what I'm going to sound like. So that's not going to work for me. It says never to run. Okay, that's a stupid one. I mean, I know what they're saying. Don't run because it'll chase you. Just stand there. But I see King Leo looking at me. I don't think I'm going to be like, yo, what's up, bro? Let's go. Come on. No. No. It says, wave your arms. I'm not, I'm not here trying to be the queen of England. I'm not going to wave at this lion. I'm, I'm looking for somebody to come with a gun, a tranquilizer, something, a dark gun. Find something. Get me out of here. Throw me a rope. Something. But see, the Bible says the enemy comes in like a roaring. But people don't understand what I just read. Everybody said, oh, he's a big old bad lion. Oh, he coming. He coming to eat me. No, that's not what the Bible says. It didn't say he is a lion. It never says the devil is a lion. Don't misread the word of God. The enemy will come in like a roaring lion. See, the roar of a lion's design is to, a, science and sci, uh, scientific research has shown us there's a reason the lion roars. Because the lion's roar is so fear-invoking uh, and, and it has such a power. The lion roars to just make the prey freeze for just a moment to be in fear. 
Because that one split second of hesitation gives the lion just enough momentum to capitalize on attacking his prey. The design of the lion's roar is to paralyze in fear the prey. Get that deer in the headlight look. Just freeze it for a moment. And then when that enemy is frozen, it will now attack. That's why the devil roars like a lion. Because all he's trying to do is get you off track long enough just to freeze for a moment. So he can capitalize on taking you out. The devil is not the lion. The Bible says Jesus is the lion from the tribe of Judah. Which tells me the devil is just a copycat. You know, you know a lion's a cat, right? All right. It is a copycat version. The devil, the devil is just trying to mimic or to copycat the lion. Because the devil knows he can't be the big old bad lion. He can only roar like the lion. But what the devil also knows is he can roar. But when the real lion shows up on the scene, that's just a kitten purring over here. Because when God steps onto the scene, what looked like a lion is now just a little kitty. Because God's on the scene and the real lion has shown up on the scene. Benaiah fights this lion. He's looking for traction. Obstacles tend to always bring their first cousin, fear, to a party. Every time you are presented with a challenge, the devil always tries to make that challenge to be a challenge that would instill fear or to scare you. They go hand in hand. Problems and pandemics and obstacles always brings their first cousin, fear, along with it. Sickness, COVID hit around the world, started out in the overseas. It didn't seem too bad. Everybody's like, oh, well, that's just overseas. That's in India. That's in this. That's in that and the other. Well, when it hit the United States, you know what happened? We all freaked out. Fear. The problem showed up. The pandemic showed up. Fear came with it. And just about every time the devil tries to do something, he's going to bring fear alongside of it. Every time. See, Maniah, I'm sure at first was like, wow, this is a lie. And this is not what I asked for on a snowy day. I'm down here. Minding my own business, stuck in a pit on a snowy day, and I get a lion, are you kidding me? Anybody ever had one of those are you kidding me days? Like you just get up and life's going on and you think, are you kidding me? I didn't ask for this. I didn't want, I'll give you one of these days. Let me just go ahead and tell you my, I want y'all to feel, I want y'all to feel sorry for me for a change. Uh, I just want sympathy. I am, am, I am, for one time in my life, I'm feeling uh, like I deserve sympathy and I want you to give me sympathy. So I'm going to tell you how, how rough it's been for me. Uh, over the last couple of days. So last week was Micah's birthday, and I had Micah, and we had done all these different things uh, over the last, you know, his birthday was a week before, but we did stuff last week with him. Well, I was at my house getting prepared to go, everything together, to go get Micah ready when he got out of school for us to go out to eat and do a special event. I always go through the garage. I always get in my car. I back out the garage and all that stuff. Never, never really use the front door at all. Don't really ever have a desire to use the front door. But that particular morning, I was getting ready to cut some grass and do some things around the yard. So I went out there to move some plants off the front porch and things like that because I wanted to make sure I could blow off the pad and all that stuff. To my horror, my glass door was shattered. But it was still in the pain. The only pain, though, was is when something knocks it out of the pain, it's going to be a pain to clean up. You get my drift here? There's a lot of pain going on in here. And I was trying to think, how can I safely do this? My well-intended mother, who just loves me so much, I said to them, please do not open the inside front door. 
goes, I don't know what I'm going to do on the outside yet because this glass is shattered, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to call Brother Randy or somebody. I'm going to see if they got a shop vac, whatever. And it's just because I know as soon as I barely tap this door, there's going to be a real pain, a pain that most people get medicine for, for back here, that's going to happen when I have to clean out there. And it's going to be a real big pain. And she said, okay, okay, okay. So I go back outside, and I'm trying to figure out how can I safely do this. So I come back inside. I put on old junky clothes and things like that. Standing in my bedroom, I hear, my heart went, it cannot be. I know, God, you have a sense of humor, but this is not a joke anymore. No one's laughing, God. I thought, maybe, just maybe. My next door neighbor did something stupid. That's his fault, not mine. Maybe, just maybe. I go walking around. I hear my mother in the other room. Uh, have you called Randy yet about that shop back? I mean, I left him a message. He's in Charleston with some friends, but why? Okay, well, you want to start cutting grass in the backyard first? No. Why? I go walking outside. Glass everywhere. My mother had decided, unintentionally, she had forgotten the conversation we just had and was going to go get something out the car. And she opened the door. But the friction of pulling the front door and the suction of pulling the front door, because the glass obviously, and the storm door is here. So when she opened the door, the suction of the door coming open just whoosh, glass in the house, glass on the rug, glass in the flower bed, glass on the asphalt, glass in the cracks of the concrete, glass in my shrubs, glass everywhere. And I thought, and who's cleaning this up? See, my point in saying all of that is there are times that when we have things happen, sometimes in life you just have one of those this cannot be kind of weeks. And there are times that the enemy will bring you another struggle when you least expect it. But even in the midst of bad situations and what looks like a terrible situation, God's still good. God's still good. Yeah, I, right now I have a beautiful door that has no glass in it. Right now I just have a door you just, it's really pretty decorative frame. You can just walk right on through. You can be like an illusionist. You can just go right through doors and, and don't even, people are like, wow, how did they do that? I mean, it's incredible. It's a great magic show. I thought about trying to put, like, maybe one of them inflatable, you know, uh, people, you know, the guys that blow up at the, um, you know, like at the car lots when they do a new car lot, just so that people could see he's on the other side of the door and just be freaked out that something that live is right there. I mean, just, you know, it's, 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 it's Halloween time, you know, a little fear won't hurt them, right, you know. But, but the point to be made is, Benaiah finds himself in one of those, you got to be kidding me. I'm already down here in the snow. I'm freezing, and now you send a lion. Are you kidding me? The Apostle Paul says it like this. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept my faith. Henceforth there is laid for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will give me, not only unto me, but unto them that love his glorious appearing. James 5 tells us prayer changes things. The effectual fervent prayer of righteous men availeth much. Prayer, see, fear will frustrate you. But prayer, the prayer of faith, remember what I said. James said the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous, the prayer of faith, will availeth much. Prayer illuminates the pathway of life. Pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. Revelation 12, 11, for we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. God's word never changes. The psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light, uh, illumination, a light 
unto my path. The writer of Proverbs says, We trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him, and He will make the pathway known. You can be fearful all you want to, but when you operate in fear, you're just going to find yourself frustrated, annoyed, agitated, and, un and just beyond cognitive function. You're just going to be a pill to deal with. But when you go to the situation, no matter how big the problem is, when you look at the situation in faith, you can say, but if God be for me, who can be against me? It's not what I asked for. It's not what I wanted to happen. But God's still in control of it all. Well, secondly, fear penetrates, faith alleviates. See, fear is all about taking root inside of you. It wants to get into your heart, and then it wants to spur off and break off and create little children cells of fear in your body what it does fear does not give up if it thinks it's got you afraid it just keeps coming back and back and back but it, it is a scheme a tactician uh, it's, it's a, a great plan for the tactician known as the devil to use fear is crippling it wants to penetrate your heart there's a lot of things people are afraid of fear of rejection fear of love fear of divorce fear of finances Fear of violence or crime. Fear of abandonment. Fear of unemployment. Fear of heights. Fear of certain types of animals. There are thousands of fears. Now, I have found a couple being a counselor and a psychologist. Now, please, if you have any of these fears, I apologize beforehand for offending you, and I will try to help you therapeutically work your way through these. There are some people that have a fear, and I just absolutely cannot understand how they can be afraid of this. I mean, there are some fears here that I'm just thinking, if you walk in my office and tell me this is what you're afraid of, I'm going to try my best to keep my composure, but I'm also going to think, what in the world is wrong with you? Let me tell you what some people are afraid of. These are, these are classified, clinically diagnosed fears. Number one, somnophobia. It is the fear to go to sleep. I do not have that fear. I don't even afraid. I'm not even afraid when I wake up. I'm afraid of when I wake up. Like, why did I not sleep longer? I'm afraid of being awake, not going to sleep. Because all my problems happen when I wake up. Because that's when people call. That's when people come to the office. That's when people complain. If I stay asleep, I'm not bothered. I like sleeping better. It's better for me. I must not have somnophobia. I, have, I must have unsomnophobia. That means don't let me wake up and hear them. Don't let me get the phone call. Lord, please, if anything, let them call the pastor down the street. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't say that. Did I say that? I was bad, wasn't it? That was bad. I shouldn't have said that. I will ask God to forgive me before tonight's service. I will. I promise. Help me, Jesus. A fear of going to sleep. On further research, it is the fear of people. The reason they don't want to go to sleep is because they're afraid they'll never wake back up. They're afraid of dying, really. Well, the Bible tells me I don't have to have that fear because to be absent from the body. About three of you know your Bible. I appreciate that. The rest of you, we're going to do a yearly calendar reading here in the next couple of weeks. Because so yeah, to be absent from the body means you are. So why do I have to fear? Why do I, death is just a transitionary vehicle God uses to get me out of this hellhole called earth and put me in a perfect place called heaven. I don't have to be afraid. If I, if I don't wake up, I'm waking up with Jesus. So that's a good place to wake up to. Close my eyes here and wake up over there is a good plan. Hello? 
Then there is cataphobia. It is the fear of losing your hair. Some of y'all, whether y'all have that fear or not, you already have the disease. You can be afraid of it, but you're still... Brother Ray has already accepted it. He's gotten so good at it that when a little bit of stubble comes up, he just goes ahead and takes them out too because he says, I'm not having that devil on top of there today. He rebukes it every week. He tells me all the time, I get in the shower, I just shave it right off, and I just let the water run. He don't even let the enemy have a foothold. He knocks it out before he gets on top. He don't have the fear of losing his hair. He's got a fear it's coming back. I might have this fear, though, because my dad's, I was, you know, in the old church, they used to say, hold, you know, people pray for you, and all they say, hold on, turn loose. I'm so confused. Which one am I supposed to do? People be praying in the altar, Lord, give them what they want. Hold on to Jesus. Turn loose. I'd be like, I'm confused. Do I hold on or let go? Do I hold on and let go and grab it back? Like, how does this work? Can somebody ask Jesus to make up his mind? Because it's been down here a while. Hello? My dad, I said one time to him, I said, well, you don't have that problem because your hair turned loose. It didn't hold on, did it, very long. It already turned loose. I have that fear. Maybe I have cataphobia. I have a fear that I'm going to have a runway. I'm going to have two landing. I'm going to have two sides and a runway right in the middle, just a landing strip. He's got like a little, I don't know, what's those things that you, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, Romans wore, you know, little olive leaves or whatever. My dad has that perfect little shape. I finally, a couple weeks ago, convinced him to shave it basically down to about a one cut. So it was like almost bald but not completely bald. And I thought, wow, what a difference that made. Don't grow your hair back. We don't do Santa at church. You can't play that part in the in the Christmas program. You don't need your white hair. It's okay. Cataphobia. Then there is albutophobia. It is the fear of bathing, washing, or cleaning your body. Ablutophobia. I will super soaker you all the way. I'll chase you down and dump a five-gallon bucket. You better you ain't come to church smelling like you fell in a horse field. Listen, I. If you that's the best you got and you ain't never been to a bath and ever took a shower in your life, that's okay. But once you kind of know Jesus, even if I have to go up here to Holiday Inn Express and pay for one night through, we will super we'll put you in the horse trough back here. And instead of letting the horses drink, I'll put some delicious dish soap out of the kitchen in there, and you will be clean. You'll not only be spiritually clean, abs- uh, raised for new life, dead to sin, raised to new life in Christ. When you leave here, you're gonna smell like you actually been physically clean too. I'll clean everything inside, your outsides, we'll clean it all. You're cleaning your own toes. I ain't washing that, that's nasty. But the rest of that I might help you be able to do. But they're afraid of bathing. Water. Then there is iocophobia. The fear of being in a house. I just want to ask those people where they sleep. Do they tie a hammock up in a tree and just go, ah, in the tree? Like, what did they do? You're afraid to be in a house? That literally is diagnosed that people are afraid that their appliances, they're afraid of their appliances. They're afraid of hearing noises in the refrigerator. They're afraid. Like, who's ever seen a refrigerator just show up in your bedroom in the middle of the night? Like, that's like schizophrenia type stuff. That's just, you're just straight up crazy. Afraid of ochophobia. Oikophobia, the fear of being in a house. Then there is agrophobia, E-R-G-O-phobia, ergophobia. Now, Sister Kay, you better come so I can save this message as best I can. Sister April here, she doesn't have this fear, but she has had a lot of people that around her life that has had this fear. 
Agoraphobia is the fear of working. Well, I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. That was, if there's ever been a word from the Lord and I heard from God, that's a one for you today. Y'all all should be shouting and running the aisles right now. That's a word from God. We shut down Brown's Barbecue because y'all couldn't find somebody to just make sure we had hash on the bar. Come on, somebody. We can't even have barbecue in this town anymore. We're shutting them down. Agrophobia. I'm afraid to go to work. No joke. KFC in this town has a sign. Please be nice to us. Nobody wants to work anymore. I want to just say thank you for saving the obvious. See, fear penetrates. Fear penetrates. John Hopkins University reported 30 years ago the greatest fears of school-aged children were animals, dark rooms, high places, strangers, and loud noises. Today, most kids fears and are diagnosed with social anxieties, failures, abandonment, the fear of being left alone, life dangers, shootings, sexual identity, and coming out with their sexual orientation. That's what grade school children are afraid of today. Not of if there's a snake, if there's a bumblebee, or if there's a lion. They're not afraid of dark rooms. They're not afraid of high places or strangers or loud noises. They're afraid of socially fitting in, failure, abandonment, crime, real-life dangers like school shootings, sexual identity, and being able to come out sexually and not be judged. That's what they're afraid of. Fear will penetrate, go through you, enter inside of you, and cripple your heart. But when you praise the Lord, faith will alleviate all those fears. It will lessen the burden. It will ease the pain. It will improve the situation. It will lighten up the load. It will break off the strongholds. Take my yoke upon you, saith the Lord, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Praising God will remove the fear and will clothe you in faith. The story of Gideon says this. Gideon started with 32,000 dudes. That's a lot of people to fight with you. God dropped him down to 300 before he went to battle. You have a pastor that's pastoring a church of 32,000 people. And in a short amount of time, their statistics start showing they're running 300. Somebody messed up really bad along the way. 27,000, excuse me, 20, uh, 29,700 people left their church. That's a bad, bad church split right there. That's not just that you decided what color the carpet need to be. You an idiot. You lost 29,000 people. You are, you need a new job. You are dumb. 300 men left. But God still gave them the victory. They took some old clay jars, pots, and some old wooden torches. They lit those torches. They made a big circle. They encircled the camp of the enemy. The enemy was in the valley. They encircled around them. Gideon says, when you hear me give the sound, smash the clay pots on the ground so it makes a loud noise because the, the, the flow with them being in the valley, it'll have a reverb effect and it'll just make it sound like a bigger boom than it really is. Hold up your flaming, light your torches as soon as you smash the pots and hold it up so it'll be like a bright light all around them so they won't be able to see who's out there. And start yelling so the sound of your voice. The Bible said when they did that, they smashed the pots, held the flame up and yelled and just stood there. They never moved. And the enemy just saw, heard the noise. It was louder than they had realized. They saw the lights and couldn't see and they heard the screaming. They thought the enemy was right up on them and they killed each other, y'all. They slew one another. Gideon and his men still sitting up on top of the mountain watching it. Just, woo! And like
like a bunch of hooligans and crazy people just screaming at the top of their lungs and then sitting there watching it and the enemy killed each other Joshua did the same thing with Jericho walk around the wall go home walk around the wall go home. seven days seventh day walk around seven times scream walls fall see fear makes you think that your battle your stronghold your obstacle your whatever is insurmountable and there ain't no way God's going to get you out of it but when you have faith that substance of things hoped for that evidence of the, when you have faith faith will say oh no 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 God's on my side we got this I don't know what COVID's going to do. I, I don't even know what's going to happen. Forget COVID. Forget the government. Forget the midterm election. I don't even know what's going to happen in terms of this church. In terms of what day, when are we going to build out there? If we're going to build out there, what's it going to look like when we build out? I don't know what's going. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I've sang it and I've quoted it before. Many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. I don't know a lot of stuff, but I do know one thing. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to fret. I said it last week. I'll say it again. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. My God's never failed me yet. I've got confidence. God's going to see me through. I don't know what Monday's going to be like. But I can tell you I know who already knows what's going on on Monday. God does. God does. See, fear cripples us. And for time's sake, I'm not going to finish the other couple points. I will finish those next week. But I want to give you, leave you with this. Worship sometimes has to be radical. Unconventional. Not like we've always done it. Sometimes the battle plan has to be a different strategy, an unusual strategy, something the enemy's never seen done before. But when true worship takes place, it is effective. It is not rehearsed, but it will cause walls to fall down. It will call breakthroughs to happen. It will create strong it will allow strongholds to be obliviated and it will create an atmosphere for change in the room. The best way to overcome fear is praise God right out of your situation. Here's what the psalmist said. And I leave you with this and we'll pick up the rest next week. The, Bible, the psalmist says this in Psalms 104. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and into his courts with praise and I'll be thankful unto him and bless his name. You want to get out of a spirit of fear. You want to get out of an obstacle. You want to get out of living a life that you feel like the enemy's got you crippled. I'll tell you how to do it. Enter in his gates. When you walk into church, enter into his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter into his courts with prayer and say, this is the day that the Lord. We sing around here sometimes. This is the day. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Then we sing another version of this is the day that says this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Celebrate the presence of the Lord for he is worthy to be praised. Celebrate the goodness of the Lord for he is worthy to be praised. We've sang songs like I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and his courts with praise and say this is the day that the Lord has made and will rejoice for he has made me glad. I come by to tell you this morning that I don't know what's going to happen to you this week. I don't know how many will be back next Sunday for church but I come by to remind somebody today that if God is on your side, if God be for you who can be against you? Don't be afraid of what's going to happen this week, this month or this year but you praise your God like if you're here this morning, you're not on a ventilator. You got a right to praise God. If you
slow getting to church. You might have had to use a cane to walk through the door. And you might have a couple sniffles in the nose. But I'm telling you, if you're still cognitively alive and breathing and functioning and not on life support, you still have a right to give God praise because God's been good. We don't have to have a spirit of fear, but we are people of faith. As you stand all over the house this morning, I say this as we close. Get ready to pray. God did not call you to be men and women of fear. He called you to be men and women of faith. 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 See, it's not hard if I hold up a $100 bill right now and say, anybody the first person to come up here and get a $100 bill. It's not hard to believe that. Some of y'all be done trampled over somebody and beat them down and get this $100 bill. But it's a lot harder if I say, I got a $100 bill in my wallet right now. And the first person that comes up to this altar, I'll give it to them. It's a lot harder to believe if I, because you don't see the $100 bill. What if I don't actually have a $100 bill? You, you'd be hoping I do. You're doing it in faith. But it's a lot harder to trust it when I can't see it. The devil wants you to see the problem. The devil wants you to see the pandemic. The devil wants you to see the obstacle because he doesn't want you to see the power of God working it out. So as I get ready to pray, I want to leave you with this today. Don't be men and women walking in fear, but be men and women walking in faith with the Lord. And if you don't know what else to do, when you say, well, Pastor, I, it's been a rough week. I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to say. Just call on that name. I don't even need you to say anything else but that. That's all you got to say. He's as close, the Bible said, as the very mention of his name. Just got to know how to say Jesus. Father, I have done my very best to preach your unadulterated word of God. God, I know I'm not a man of eloquent words or speech or persuasiveness of talk. God, I know I'm not as gifted as many other orators of the Word of God. And God, I know that there are probably a lot of other men and women who could have preached this message and the power and boldness and quality that I could. But I do believe this is an on-time word for the people of God. We've got to stop living in fear and we've got to start walking in faith. Our motto cannot be fear, it has to be faith. So, Father, today I pray for every man, woman, boy, or girl under the sound of my voice today that you would let them live this week walking in fear. Not in fear, but in walking in faith. Be with us as we get ready to go to and fro our destinations. As we get ready to head out to our place of abode. Bring us back safely tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. People of God said amen. Let us sing this together. Key of G. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. This is my prayer for you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Let's sing amen. So be it, Lord.
us. Let's say our church benediction and proclamation. May the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my rock, my redeemer. For those that have joined online, we thank you for being in service with us. We'll be back at 6 o'clock for worship online or in-house. I'm going to ask Brother Randy Erchberger if he would be so kind to pray our benedictory prayer. Immediately following this prayer of benediction, I'm going to ask you to be friendly with one another. Shake hands. I would love to see you back tonight at 6 p.m. for worship. We're going to sing and pray.